but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which is which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You may be seated. It's good to be here again this morning. Appreciated the presentation, Joe, um, the devotional and our Sunday school time together too. Did want to open up with just thanking you as a church for your prayers and your support this last week. It seems like a whirlwind week um, for my wife and I, um, the passing of our uh, dad-in-law. Um, Sunday, right after church, we ate and got the phone call, went down there and spent five hours with him till he passed away at 5.30. It were precious five hours. I've heard that many times. Um, those times are quite precious spending the last hours of um, the life with somebody um, is a meaningful time, and it just strengthened my faith. And I just want to thank you as a church for your support in those times, um, yeah, in the last week, and just supporting us as a family. I'm going to preach this morning um, on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16. I'm going to continue the expository sermon on this section of God's Word. Um, the title is, My Gift Given to Me to Build the Church. And I've seen those gifts being used this week. I've seen those gifts being used a lot here at church. Um, God has given each one of us a special gift, and we're born again. Um, the Holy Spirit has given us that gift to be used in the church, not to be used for ourselves. And I think we've heard that before. Um, Dave had preached in First Peter, uh, was that chapter 4, Dave? where he talk, spoke on the gifts, um, and we heard quite a bit about that. I'm just going to get into the gifts again a little more today. Uh, this seven verses or eight verses, whatever it is here in Ephesians, we could probably take this sermon in a lot of different places, but this morning I'm going to spend time just talking about the gifts God has given you as a church to give back to the church. The overriding theme of the book of Ephesians is the church. In the last three chapters, we see the church we see how the church should practically live, um, and we find that again in today's verses where it talks about the church, the gifts you've been given, and how we use them in the church. 
I'm going to ask you a question this morning to start out with. What should the church of Jesus Christ today actually look like? How should Weavertown look, um, look like as a church? What do we do as a church to honor and glorify God? Paul, throughout his epistle, gives us glimpses of what the church should look like. He explains and gives us a lot of details. He gives us all kinds of instructions. There's many examples in history, too, of what a church should look like, um, the true church. I think of the Moravian Brethren. I think about the early church. I even think about the Anabaptist movement. There's a lot of things in there that I think we could learn. Throughout the ages, church has basically been car- the church has basically been carried to the ends of the earth on the backs of people um, who truly lived out what the church should do. Um, relentlessly self-sacrificing, they gave up their lives for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ. Throughout the history of the true church, it is filled with memories of noble Christians. And these noble Christians, because of their devotion to Scripture, because of their humility, because of their zeal, and because of their selflessness, gave sacrifice to what a church should look like. And we have seen that, and hopefully we have grown on that, and hopefully our church here today um, is continuing that, of the sacrificial love um, which is, should be passed on. I've seen that many times here at Weavertown, too, um, especially this week. I think about uh, my father-in-law's passing, just the support we got. That's a part of giving your gifts as a church. Um, I'll say Bethel did an amazing job, too, as, this, as the church there, just taking care of the family. And I think we do that here at Weavertown, too, in our funerals. Um, just another gift um, given to people in the time of need. We as a church are asked to give of our gifts to um, those around us, or to the, um, each other here in the church. We see in the last verses we covered um, in Ephesians, we are to make every effort to keep unity, right? And Paul makes it real clear, and he gives a bunch of lists of things that we should unify under. Um, one body, one spirit, one faith, and the list goes on. We're make, to make every effort to give us unity, to be a unified church, to work together. And then what's he do right after that? He gives us gifts. And what's he do with the gifts? He makes them so diverse that, yeah, you're, you know what happens. Our gifts are so diverse that sometimes um, we say we don't want to be like that person because of his gift. Um, and instead of sometimes unifying the gifts, break us apart. And that's not what God did. Um, that's not why he gave us the gifts. He gave us the gifts to be used in the church to bring us back together and to unify us. I'm going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts. And I know um, before I was studying for this sermon, I was often very confused about the gifts that God gave us. And sometimes it's because um, these gifts are categorized and I don't quite fit a certain category. Um, so I'm just going to quickly look at um, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4, and then again Ephesians 4. That's the list you're going to find of the gifts. And sometimes, if you're like me, you will see these lists, and they're different in different places, and there's gifts in there about miracles and gifts about um, things that we don't see here at Weavertown. We say, well, are we missing this gift, or what's going on? Um, so I want to just spend a little time talking about the gifts. Romans 12, verse 4. There are many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. There are gifts of service, gifts of teaching, gifts of exhortation, gifts of leading, gifts of showing mercy. Then go down to verse 6. Here you'll find the categories of gifts. There are some who serve, there are some who teach, there are some who exhort, 
and give. Um, these are some of the mercy, these are mercy, those are to give mercy and to demonstrate mercy with cheerfulness. And that list goes on. Then he, now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. Again, there's a variety of gifts of the Spirit. We're back then to the diversity and then again to the unity. And, here, and then here we come to Ephesians 4. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It comes so that it can operate for the benefit of the church for the common good. So we see all the list of gifts, um, and we see them in four places in the New Testament. Um, and in every time we see these lists, we'll see the list where it talks about unifying, and then he diversifies. Um, so the gifts are often given to bring unity, but yet they're diverse gifts. Some of these gifts may be a little hard for us to understand because we don't know anyone who has these certain gifts. They're sign gifts that were unique to apostolic time, miracles, healing, speaking foreign tongues that were unlearned, and having the ability to interpret to translate foreign languages. Then the last passage we find the list of gifts is in 1 Peter 4, and Dave talked about that in his sermon. In 1 Peter 4, he gives us another look at this issue of gifts. We're called, according to verse 8, to the fervent love for one another. I don't know if you talked about that. Did you use, use the word fervent there? Um, anyways, when we're talking about the fervent love for one another, this word fervent means um, to stretch out your muscles. So when we have all these many gifts in the church, I think it's important for us to understand that um, we are to love to the extreme of our capacity, to love um, those around us. These gifts are given, us, given to us to help love each other. And they are expressed in many different ways. Um, and sometimes when they're expressed in a way that we don't quite understand, um, tends to make us not love each other. But this verse and the word fervent love for one another in the middle of these gifts, it's talking about stretching our love for one another. Every one of us is given a gift. The gift is a gift of grace. The gift is accompanied by a measure of faith so that we can operate um, as a church. We believe in the use of that gift, or should I say we can accept each other's gift because we know these gifts were given by God. So how do we understand these different gifts and the different lists that we find? John MacArthur says it this way, The fact that Peter writes and doesn't even define the categories Paul defines the categories very loosely and even throws in some apostolic gifts, does that in, in 1 Corinthians. But in Romans, there's even a different list that lets you know that these are not very tight categories, but rather a broad area of giftedness in serving. The best way to understand it is that the gifts that you have are uniquely yours. And I'm going to talk about that just a little bit here um, before we get too confused about these gifts. God gave each one of us a gift that is uniquely ours. If somebody should ask you, what's your gift? You may say, I have the gift of prophecy, or I have the gift of exhortation, or you have the gift of serving. I think we should think of it maybe a little more loose than that. God has given you specific gifts for you, for the church. Um, and I think sometimes our gifts are a combination of different gifts. Um, the best way to understand spiritual gifts, I think, is to look at it kind of like your DNA. When you're born again, God gave you, through the Holy Spirit, gifts. Just like he has given you a special, has given you your DNA. Um, 
It's like God dipped a paintbrush into a lot of different paint cans, and he pulls out the brush, and he gives you your color, your gift. And that gift is specifically yours given for, your, uh, for our church or for the church of Jesus Christ. You could probably call it a spiritual... Um, each one of us have spiritual snowflakes, or maybe each one of us have fingerprints. Those fingerprints are all unique, right? And our gifts are all completely unique. When I talk about spiritual gifts this morning, I'd like to leave it maybe a little more loose um, in the fact, not categorize it as much as just say, God has given you a unique gift for Weavertown or for the church that you're in. Um, and your gift will come through as a blessing to the, your church if you use it. Sometimes we categorize our gifts too much and we're not sure what gift we have. And I think it's okay. I like to categorize things. I like to have order and, and make sense out of things. But sometimes in trying to make sense out of it, uh, we don't really understand that our gift actually is uniquely for us and for you um, and specifically given to you to give to others, to be used for others. I'd like to move on with identifying spiritual gifts to motives for ministering in our church. And I have three motives this morning that I want to, um, that should be motivators for us as we think about using our gift. And we'll find those motivators here in Ephesians chapter 4. The first, uh, the first motivator, I think, um, in thinking about how we should use our gift or thinking about using our gifts should be, where did our gift come from? Ever think about your gift? Now, if, I don't know if you're like me, but at times when I think about my gift, I kind of resent the Lord for giving me gifts that he gave me. I'd rather have someone else's gift. Probably most of us are here a little bit like that. Um, but most of the reasons for that is because we look at other people's gifts and we say, you know, that gift would be one that um, may, me, may make me look a little better, um, which is the wrong reason to use a gift. Our, use for, our reason for God giving the gift he gave us is so we can be a benefit to the church, not so I can benefit myself. I think we know that and understand that. But let's just go back to um, the motivator now. Think about the source of our gift. Where did our gift come from? I think we all know that. It came from the Holy Spirit. It came from God, especially for you when you became a Christian. Not only does it come from God, but think about who is the head of the church. The Lord of our church is Jesus Christ. We know that. He's the one that gave that gift to us. Why? The head of the church is Jesus. We are his body doing the work in the church. And he gave that gift specifically so the head of the church or the body could do the work for the body of Christ. We also know the source of our gift and deeply <clears throat> is from Jesus Christ, but also know that it was given to us by the Holy Spirit. And, he <clears throat> and who lives within us? And daily helps us administer our gift, the Holy Spirit. If we refuse to use the gift that God gave us, we're refusing to listen to the Holy Spirit that's within us, um, who lives within us. I believe this becomes disobedience to our duty, ignoring the very purpose for our lives um, and what God has called us to. We must look at the source of our gifts and let that motivate us to be faithful to our church. You wake up tomorrow morning or this afternoon, and God has given you a gift, 
and you don't feel like listening to the gift that God has given you, you don't feel like hearing what God is telling you to do, um, we are disobeying the Holy Spirit who has given us that gift to be used. And I know that's a struggle probably for a lot of us. It is for me sometimes. Um, When I know what God has given me, um, and I wish I'd have something else, it's pretty easy to say, you know what, God, you didn't give me the gift that I wanted to have, so I'm not going to use what you gave me. Think about the parable of the talents. Um, is specifically um, the, last, the last man in the talents, uh, with the parable of the talents, refused to use what God gave him. Next thing I want to talk about is the cost of our gift. Think about the cost of your gift. Christ paid the supreme price. I'm compelled then to use my gifts to help develop the gifts of all the people around me and in our church. To use my gift because of the price that was paid for that gift as well as the source of it. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we come to some very obscure um, verses that I think have been debated for many years by theologians, and that's verses 7 or 8 to, tw- um, to 10. I want to read those verses, kind of interesting verses. Um, many things have been read and said and sung about these verses. Um, I don't know if I completely understand them, but I'm going to try to um, try to explain a little bit about what these verses are saying here. I'll read the verses again. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto all men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might be filled, that he might fill all things. And he gave. And then the list talks about the gifts. Now, what does it mean by he ascended and he descended and he went to the lower parts? I think we've heard songs already where it talks about Jesus going, taking the keys from Satan. Um, And I'm not saying that's not what it's saying here. I know some people believe that um, here Christ, after he died, he went down into hell, took the keys from Satan, released the Old Testament Christians um, from their place to heaven. There's a lot of different um, um, thoughts on what happened here. But I think what's interesting in what happened here, you see he, it says here he descended and gave gifts to men. Now, what does he mean by that? Um, I'll say I got some of this from a sermon by John MacArthur who talked about um, these verses. But if you look back at these verses, Paul is re- referring back to Psalm 68. And if you look back at Psalm 68 and verse 8, it's kind of an allusion to an Old Testament verse in Psalm 68 that talks about the victory hymn composed by David to celebrate God's conquest of Jerusalem. That's what Psalm 68 is, is about. And the ascent of God to Jerusalem represented by the ark taken up to Mount Zion. In other words, it's a picture of God's triumph in the past. After a king would win a victory, what did he do? He'd bring home the spoil, and he would ascend them to the highest spot in the city and give the spoil back to the people. Okay, And that's what Psalm 68 is about. But in that spoil, they were often prisoners of war or people that the other army would have captured. Um, and they are bringing these people back. Um, or prisoners who have been taken and now are brought back to their homeland again. Paul is picturing a triumphant Christ returning 
from his battle on earth to the glory of the heavenly city. And he's brought with him the trophies of the great triumph and the great victory. What he's talking about in the fact that he descended is that Christ came to earth and that he ascended and that he then ascended and went back to glory. He's looking at his incarnation, his death, his resurrection, and his conquering Satan and conquering sin and conquering his death. So we see in this picture, Jesus um, did that for us. He conquered sin, conquered death, and he gave us the opportunity to be freed of sin. Um, Just like the picture of David after he conquered, um, he won the battle. But in the middle of that, in other words, in the middle of that, the prisoners who once belonged to the enemy, Satan, has he now delivered free, and he now returns to God. And by his triumphant work of descending, Christ then ascended triumphantly and takes his people as his, as his victory. And out of the triumph, look at verse 8. Here's the interesting part. Out of the triumph, he gives gifts to men. Okay, so Christ conquered death. Christ freed us of our sins. And after Christ freed us of our sins and conquered death, what does he do? He gives us the Holy Spirit. And when he gives us the Holy Spirit, what's he do? He gives us gifts specifically to be used again for the church. I think that's what he's talking about here. It's rather obscure in, in his language here, and it's one we don't quite um, understand because we're not conquering battles like that. But when Christ conquered death and conquered sin for us and gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto us. And those gifts are to be used for what? To return back to the church and to return back to Christ. He gave some apostles. Then he goes on in verse 11 and says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saint, for the working of the ministry. The Lord goes back to heaven, far above the heavens, that we can see, fills eternity with his glory, and gives gifts to us. The first wave of gifts we see in verse 11, now let's get into verse 11, we see these wave of gifts, and again, it's a little hard for us to understand, because what are these apostles he's talking about? I don't see any apostles here in our church today. What's these... um, You read verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. So what is this gift? Now, I think probably today there's not apostles around, um, but this thing of evangelists, this thing of teachers, um, are gifts that we still have in our church today. The first wave of gifts to the church are gifts given to gifted men, to leaders, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers whose task is then to equip the saints and use the gifts. These are the fundamental gifts that are given to equip us to give to, to, the, rest, to the church so the servers or the gift of, uh, um, so the other gifts can be used in the church. Um, leaders, to pass on the gifts, um, to pass on how gifts should be used in the church. We can see the sacrificial work of Christ, his humiliation, his condensation, his suffering, his sacrificial death to rescue us from the grips of Satan. This was the cost of that gift. That's the price that was paid because the price paid by the Lord Jesus Christ, he won the victory and gives us that spoil. We're going to talk about the gifts a little more um, later on. If there's anyone we want to put on display in the church, it's Jesus Christ, 
Um, and that was the cost for those gifts. So the third thing I want to look at here that should spur us to use the gifts is what is the impact of the use of your gifts? How does it impact? Um, and you look in verses 13 to 14, we'll see the impact of your gift. Um, important for us to understand this. The first impact we see when our gifts are used is found in verse 12 and 13. I'll read those verses. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Um, verse 12. Till we all come to the unity of the faith in the body of Christ. We see that in the next verses, the list of gifts he just gave us are teaching gifts, and God uses pastors and teachers and evangelists to prepare the service gifts to equip others to serve Christ for the perfection of the faith, for the, body, um, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The second impact is given in a negative term here. Um, we see because of the gifted men equipping the saints and the saints using their gifts, we no longer are what? Children tossed to and fro. We're no longer gullible, susceptible children um, but we become Christians who understand the Word of God. So the gifts given are given in a way um, to strengthen the church. So the positive influence is we grow up to know sound doctrine. Sound doctrine takes root in our lives and begins to transform us together into the image of Christ, and we no longer are susceptible to heresies and error. But what characteristics... But what characterizes us in verse 15, we speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects to him who is the head, even Christ. When our gifts are used in the church, we as a church become a church that can speak the truth in love. What happens when men in our church lead out and use the gift of God, gave them, and do the work that God has called them to do? He equips the saints to serve. And the saints do the work of service using their individual gifts. What happens when we come to maturity? We come to Christ's likeness. We not, we're not led astray by deception, but rather we're characterized by truth. The whole body then is fitly framed together by every joint that supplies according to the proper work. I want to just look at some practical things now um, in serving and, and the gifts that God has given us. God has called us to use the gifts he has given us. How can we use those gifts here at Weavertown? Or should I say, how are these gifts to be used as a church? A few practical things I think about, um, and maybe these are just binges of mine right now. Um, but one thing I think about, I know the list here starts with teaching gifts. Um, and I know there's quite a few young men and women in this group that are gifted teachers. Um, you're needed. God has given you those gifts to be used in the church. It doesn't mean if you're not a teacher that God has given you less of a gift at all. But I think the gifts of teaching are so important in our church um, to be passed on. Our church needs young men to stand up and lead. We live in a society where men who stand up and lead are often considered uh, chauvinists because of the great moral breakdown in our country and the evil of uh, feminism. I think often we see Young men are scared to stand up and lead. We need young men in this church um, and older men. Thank God for the older men who went on before us who were willing to lead. Uh, men who are willing to speak the truth. Men who are willing to say, um, call 
right, right, and wrong, wrong. Our church needs the next generation of strong, loving leaders that are willing to speak the truth even when the world around them wants to destroy their leadership. Satan hates when truth is spoken. So one place we can start is young men. Um, if God has given you a gift to speak, given you a gift of teaching, given you the gift of uh, administration, stand up and do that. Uh, we need you men to do that. And if you're a woman who's been um, given the gift of teaching, you're very much needed also. Uh, I think of my sister, Maima, who loves to teach, raised six children. Um, now she's having the opportunity to teach at faith and the impact that can have when a young lady or, uh, or any woman in the church who has a gift of teaching or exhortation uses that gift um, in, the, in, in the way that God has given it to you to use. If you're not a teacher um, and don't fit the category of, of teaching, there's many other gifts um, needed here at church. Um, your, gift, your gift is as needed as any other gift. I think about some of the prayer warriors of this church. Now, it's not a list in here that says, um, I have the gift of praying. But we have people in this church that I know have prayed for us this week. Um, people in this church who do a lot, spend a lot of hours in prayer. That's a gift um, that I think was given to you when you received the Holy Spirit. Hospitality, servers. We have many servers in this church. And some of your gifts intermingle. Um, you may have the gift of serving and also be a prayer warrior. You may have the gift of teaching and also be a prayer warrior. Um, but if you've been asked to serve and God has given you the gift of serving, you are so needed here at Weavertown. I think Dave has said this um, years back, and I think of this so often. If there's a need at Weavertown, you see the need, it's probably God calling you to fill that need. You see us weak in serving or weak in um, teaching or we can exhorting and encouraging one another, it probably means God has given you that gift and he's asking you to use it here at Weavertown. I've seen so many gifts being used here as a church. Keep passing that on to the next generation. Uh, if you're one of the younger ones or you're one of the older ones, don't forget to use the gift God's given you. We're ne you're needed. Um, and there may be some in the church that feel that your gift isn't as important don't listen to that. Listen to what God has given you. Um, and you may ask the question, well, what gift has God given me? I believe the gift God has given you is the one when you use it, when you're using the gift um, and you find joy in doing it, it's probably the gift that God has given you. And if you say, well, I don't know what gift I have. I'm not sure I have any gift. Then it probably means you've never used the gift God used you, has given you. Um, if you have used the gift God has given you, you'll find joy in it. And I think the Lord is asking you to continue to use it. I'd like to close with two more passages of Scripture and maybe two more motivators for us to use the gift God has given us. One's found in 1 Corinthians 3. Um, I'm going to read that verse. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says in the SV, Paul says, We are God's fellow workers. So brothers and sisters here at Weavertown, we are God's fellow workers. We know Christ is the head. We are the body, fitly formed together to work together. Um, and we are doing God's work as his fellow workers. We're not spectators. We are God's fellow workers. Verse 10, it says, According to the grace, God, grace of God, which was given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. 
But each man must be careful how he builds. But no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation of gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each man, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Work. If any man works, if any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so through the fire. So what's he saying here? What is, um, what's it saying here? What's Paul saying in these verses? I believe he's saying that you, what you have is your gift would determine your eternal reward. Now, it won't, re, won't it won't determine your destiny, but it's going, to retur- uh, it's going to determine your rewards in heaven. How you use your gifts are going to determine the rewards you're going to get in heaven. So if you're lazy now and uninvolved, you will receive a diminished eternal reward. And do I need to remind us? It's eternal, the rewards. So if we're wasting our time here on earth, or we're lazy and not using the gift, or we don't like the gift God gave us, so we say we're not going to use it, it is going to affect our eternal rewards in heaven. Each, let's, each of us be careful to take care and think deeply about our service as to whether you want to build it with wood, hay, or stubble, or you want to build your gifts with gold and silver. Whether you want to build it with valuable things, that are going to affect your rewards in eternity, or you're going to build it with wood, hay, and stubble that won't give you any rewards. There's plenty of motivation here for us to be faithful in serving our church and serving the Lord um, with the gifts he's given us. There's one final thing I'd like to leave with us, and that's um, also to do with our eternal rewards and also a motivator. Did you know that someday you will be reigning with Christ? According to 2 Timothy 2.12, it says, um, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We can see here that someday we'll get to reign with Christ if we're faithful to use the gifts. It actually says in another verse that we're going to be judging angels. And I'm not sure what that means or how that looks. But I do know, if we're Christians, someday we're going to reign with Christ. Now, what does it mean to reign with Christ? How do we do that? I think this specifically, our reigning specifically, will have to do with how we use the gifts today. And I'm going to talk about the gift of the the talents just a little bit. But before I do that, I'd like to um, talk a little bit about my father-in-law, Danny. Um, some of you knew him. Um, he left his home here on earth for a much better place on Sunday afternoon. Um, Danny, my father-in-law, was never a preacher. He was never a gifted speaker. But he was a man of faith who loved the Lord and loved people and was faithful in everything he did. He loved to, see, he loved to serve the church in little ways, like being the church greeter or mowing the church yard or showing up at prayer meeting very regularly. Last Sunday afternoon, as we watched him take his last breath, I remember telling my brother-in-law, I'm a little jealous. Right now, he's going to be meeting 
his Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he meets him, I'm convinced his Savior is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not because he was a good speaker. Not because he was anything special um, in church, but because he was faithful. And I think that's so important for us. God has given you gifts, each one of you, and he's asking you to be faithful with that gift. Um, when you think about the parable of the talents, right? If you turn with me real quickly to, um, well, I'm not going to turn to that. I think it's in Matthew, where it talks about the parable of the talents. And he said he gave gifts to each one. And the last one, and, and the after he gave those gifts, he says, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And think about that a little bit today. God has given you gifts, and he's going to let you use them here on earth. And how you use them here on earth will determine how much you will get to rule when you get in heaven. It says he will make you ruler over many things when you get to heaven. So some of the great rulers in heaven today and in the future and for eternity will be those who were faithful with the, with the few gifts God gave them. Let's all do that. Let's all use the gifts God has given us and be faithful with them. God's looking. Um, he is going to judge us someday according to the gifts, how we use those gifts. Uh, <clears throat> and God's looking for each one of us to be faithful right here on earth with the few gifts he's given us. And if we are, Someday, the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Let's kneel together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for um, what you've done for us on the cross and dying for us and giving us an opportunity to um, serve you here now, today. Help us to be faithful in the way um, and the gifts you've given us and use those gifts to serve those around us for your honor and glory. Um, thank you for the church and thank you that we can help serve the church um, as part of the body of Christ. Thank you again for all you've done for us and for um, your love to us and your faithfulness to us. Help us also to be faithful in, in everything you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.